Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. As always, I'm super delighted that you have chosen to join me for our show today. Our aim of the show is to dismantle racism. We want to educate people on how to do that. We want to provide examples of uh, of folks who've been in uh, the journey a little bit longer who talk about, or maybe maybe not so long, much longer than some of you, but who talk about some of the things that they've done in hopes that it will inspire you to go out and do what you can in hopes that it will just motivate you and to keep you going on this journey of, of faith, is which, which is what I call it. It's a sacred intelligence journey of faith to be able to do this. Faith in yourself that you can change the status quo, faith that other people are there to support you. And really for me, faith in something much bigger than we are. So I'm so excited that you've joined. I want to ask you if you would, if you've not done so already, to please make sure that you subscribe to the show, that you tell other people about the show so that they too may know how to dismantle racism and how to eradicate uh, racism. And if you've not done so, please pick up a copy of my book, Dismantling Racism, Healing Separation from the Inside Out. Because this work that we do takes a lot of internal work. And we'll talk about that a little bit on the show today. But as always, I want to get started and have us to center ourselves, to focus ourselves, and get ready to have uh, some stimulating conversation. So If you are able to, if you're not driving or doing something else uh, that that requires your attention, I would love for you to just close your eyes just for a moment, planting your feet solidly on the ground if you're outside, the floor if you're inside, and just begin to breathe. And just breathe in and out, connecting with your life source. Connecting yourself with those who came before you, those who stand with you now, and those that will come after you. Just breathe in and out and for a moment, think about your work in dismantling racism. Think about your commitment, your courage. Think about what drives you and motivates you. Think about what you need to continue the journey. Just breathe in and out. Thinking about the questions you might have. Breathe in and out. knowing that you are more than capable of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, connecting with your body, connecting with your mind, connecting with your spirit. And in this moment of breathing in and out, know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. You are in the right body. You are in the right gender. You are in the right socioeconomic class. You are right where you're meant to be to do this work. And you've been called for such a time as this. So take one more deep breath in. And as you sigh it out slowly, recognize that the power of one contributes to the power of many. Take one more deep breath in and let it out very slowly. And we say, and so it is, Ashe. Amen.
I don't know about you all, but I always feel much better even after I do the meditation because I do the meditation, as you know, because you've been listening for a while. Uh, But for those of you who may be new to the show, I do it because connecting with our breath is one of the ways in which we learn how to wait through the discomfort. So if we're having a conversation with someone and we're feeling uncomfortable, and let's say uh, the conversation is around race. It could be a conversation that's an interracial dialogue. It could be intraracial dialogue. It could be a conversation that you're having with a family member and you just don't agree with what they're saying. If you take a moment to breathe through the discomfort, the answer or the response that you need will come to you. And so I always began the show with a breath as a way of modeling for you how to get through the uncomfortable conversations. And generally, um, you know, my guest and I, we have really good and dynamic conversations, but that doesn't mean it's not impacting some of you who are hearing it. You could be stirred up in the process. And if you are, I'll say one, I'll say good, but two, it's a chance for you to, to practice the breathing technique. Earlier this week, I was doing a a training and I was doing it at a a community college and I had students there. I had some administrators, teachers who were present and, you know, it, it was dynamic to be able to remind them that they need to breathe. But one of the things that I wanted to say to that I said to them and I want to say to you, this is a long haul journey. People often ask me for quick fixes when I'm in training. And I always say to them, you can't go to a one-hour training and think you know everything there is to dismantle racism. Matter of fact, you could be studying this for a year and you're still going to make mistakes. There's still more learning you have to do. I've been doing this for over 20 years of training people in dismantling racism. I learn new things all the time even in terms of my approach to training people. I make mistakes sometimes because as a person of color who's doing this work, whenever I'm training, I have to make sure that I'm holding care for the people of color who are in that room who may be triggered and wounded at the time. And I also have to push people who are not so familiar with how to dismantle racism, or I have to push someone white, for instance, if they're saying things that I know that I need to push them on. And so there's a balance there. So I'm constantly learning and I'm sharing this with you because I want you to know that this is a long journey. You can't just listen to the show and what other people are doing and think that you're super informed and now you can go out and either do this work or you know how to interact with folks who differ from you racially. It takes being committed. And my guest today, Heather Strout, is one of those people who's extremely committed to doing the work of dismantling racism. Before I tell you about Heather, I I do want to say she's the executive director of the Martin Luther King Center in Newport, Rhode Island. And I want to tell you a little bit about the center before I introduce you to her. The, The MLK Center in Rhode Island strives to bring equity to the community. And they offer 25 plus programs that are designed to address educational, nutritional, uh, emotional well-being, and a lot more. And so Heather says that they are committed to anti-racism training. And we've discussed that word anti-racism on this show before. Uh, but, But the journey to dismantling racism, as I said, is a long haul. And it can be very frustrating sometimes and difficult. And you have to have the knowledge, skills, and really abilities to effectively reach your goals. And so Heather Strout, who joined the MLK Center's board in June of 2015, um, has a long, really, that's almost 10 years, actually, that you've been doing uh, this work, Heather. Um, She has a, a really long history of doing the work of racial 
equity. Um, after a 25-year um, career of teaching at Clooney and Penfield Schools, she was named the center's assistant executive director in June of 2016. In conjunction with the center's Bank of America Neighborhoods Builder Award, Heather was named the 2017 Emerging leader where she participated in leadership development with nonprofit leaders from across the country. She was named the center's executive director in 2018. Heather has led the center's unceasing community response throughout COVID-19. Uh, through the pandemic, and we know what that was like. And in 2022, she oversaw the MLK's milestone community celebration of his centennial um uh, of a uh, centennial. Simultaneously, Heather steered the center's $7 million Building Hope campaign, which exceeds its goal in just eight months. I could go on and on and on and tell you about Heather Strout, but she can tell you more about herself. Uh, I want to welcome, 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 Heather. Uh, I want to welcome you to the Dismantle Racism Show. Thank you for joining me this morning. And just unmute yourself there, Heather, as well. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor to be here. Um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about the MLK Center. I'm thrilled to talk about my community. And I'm proud to talk about the work that me, my board, and my staff are doing to um, you know, bring a more equitable community. And that overflows and hopefully makes a more equitable state and a more equitable country and so on and so on. So thank you for, for asking me to be here. Yeah. So, so Heather, um, we, we are going to talk about some of the programs um, in a bit, but you know, what made you decide that you wanted to be on the board in the first place? Uh, because this was long before you became the executive director. So what drew you to MLK's board? Yeah, so the MLK Center is 101 years old, and I've lived, I was born and raised here in Newport. Um, so I've known about the MLK Center my whole life, but I'm embarrassed to say that until about 11 years ago, I really wasn't familiar with um, with what I needed to be familiar with. And um, I went to an event, I went to a fundraiser for the MLK Center. I was invited by the head of the board at the time. And I sat in the room for those two hours and I was a changed person. Um, and I knew immediately that I needed to be more involved in the MLK Center. And I um, started to volunteer and got involved in that way. Then I was asked to join the board. And then um, there was a, a position coming up as the assistant executive director. It was a new position that was being um, built for succession planning. And I I couldn't I couldn't sleep at night thinking about how I wanted to work so badly in this, in this work. And I loved every minute of being a teacher, but mm. it was time for me to do something different. So um, I resigned from the board and I applied for this position and I interviewed, you know, like other people did. Um, and I was thankfully offered a, a position. And, and honestly, I am where I'm meant to be. You, you said at the beginning when we were doing that breathing that, um, that right now we're where we're supposed to be. And I firmly believe that I was, put in this position. It's, it's a calling. Um, it's an honor. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I take it very seriously, um, what we do in the community and, and how we do it. You know, I, I love that you said calling because I think this work is a calling. There are, there are sacrifices that to be made all the time. And, and, you know, I use the term is difficult to do it. You, in order for you to stay the course of doing this work, you you got to just be called <laughs> to do it, right? But yeah. but Heather, we have to take a really quick break. And when we come back, I do want to just continue the conversation around um, not just you as a white person being on the board, but really kind of thinking about um, other white people who serve on boards. And then we're going to talk about what's, what's it like to be white and to be the head of the MLK Center. Because, you know, we when we use that word MLK, we generally know the population it serves, although you have some thoughts about that as well. So let's take a really quick break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We will be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests 
on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronfu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Heather Strout, who is the executive director of the MLK Center in Newport. You know, um, Heather, so you mentioned being on the board of MLK. And often I know, even from my experience, that there are are many white people who serve on the boards of centers like this. And sometimes those people are serving because it's a feel good thing to do uh, or they don't, they still have their um, stereotypes about the people they're serving or they are have a savior complex. Like I'm here to save these poor little kids of, well, and I mean, poor literally and in the metaphorical sense, these poor little kids uh, or families or people who can't do any better. So tell me a little bit about your experience sitting on, on the board. What do you, what do you find mostly with board members? Yeah, so I was uh, sat on the board for a very short time, actually, um, until this position came up. But of course, I am am part of the board as the executive director, and I I hear what you're saying, and that is something that um, our board um, we have a very difficult time with diversity of our board. It's you know our staff is another story. That's something in our last strategic plan. We made it our goal to increase the diversity of our staff. And I'm, I'm really proud to say that we have beyond exceeded my expectations in that. But as far as our board goes, I, you know, not proud to say that um, the diversity of our board is not what it needs to be. Um, but I, I think part of it is, is doing the work, you know, uh, next week we have a, a retreat of our board. It's the second one that we've done in the past six months of, um, of, you know, anti-racism training with our board and, and trying to get to a more equitable place and doing that, we have to start at the very top of the organization, which is why I have been embedded in this work mm. for my entire time, uh, involved with, with the MLK center. And it's, it's like you said, it's a long journey and it's a journey that I will be on for the rest of my life. I know that because, um, that's what I should be doing as a, as a human being, but, um, it's something that's required of our board. And it's something that I, I hope they all are doing it because they want to be doing it, not because it's required. And that's the same with our staff. Um, we, we did not close down for one single day during COVID. We were here in person um, working every single day, as scary as it was. But we've closed down already, or we are about to close down for a second day, our services for a day this year for um, to do this work with our, st- with our staff so that everybody can be in the room together for an entire day, doing these trainings, having these conversations. And um, if, if my staff has that, then it's going to only trickle down to our 500 volunteers. And it's only going to trickle down to the people that we, that we serve. So 
that's how seriously we take it um, in that we are closing down again for a second day in the past six months to do this work um, with our entire staff. And it's it's a requirement of them. Yeah. But, but you said it's a requirement of the board as well. Yes. I, yes. And I yeah. think that's great because that doesn't always happen. Yes. And I find that there'll be people sitting on boards that feel like I don't really need to have this training because I I'm 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 serving in this way. I'm I'm serving to help things make things better. And so I really appreciate you saying that that is so that is a requirement of your board. Now talk to me a little bit about uh what what kind of pushback have you received being a white woman sitting in this position? Because often when we think about uh, the head of equity and inclusion, or we think about uh, centers that serve predominantly uh, people of color, which I, I think you have some different stats where you are. Um, what what pushback do you get? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly asked quite often, especially when I first started this position. Um, you know that people would say, "Wow, I when I met you, I expected you, I expect didn't expect you to be a white person." And I understand that. Um, and I think for me, that's that's something that that people do feel. Um, but I think that I have proven and I continue to try to prove myself to anybody who says that, that I am the person to lead this organization and that it's my job to surround myself with the other people who will do this work and do it with an equity lens and make sure that they are always trying to step back and see how can we do better? How can we, how can we do this work and make everybody in our community feel um, included and, and not othered? Um, that's something we talk about all the time as a staff othering. And, you know, I'll say, you know, that's othering. And, you know, we, we, we call each other out on it because again, we're human beings. And sometimes you have to catch yourself doing things and stop, take a step back and know that you need to do better. Well, what I what I appreciate is that you're continuing to do the work. Sometimes people are involved in this work again, and they in the work of dismantling racism, and they don't bother to go deeper and to uncover the ways in which you have implicit biases. And you know, um, what I love about it is is that you're showing up authentically as who you are. You don't have to pretend like you're black as we know some people have done it to say I'm a black woman. And, and in fact, they aren't mm-hmm. to do this work. I think it is your passion and your calling, as you said, that continues to drive you. Um, have there been ways though, that being a white woman has served you to be able to connect more with certain people uh, so that you get donations or so that you get people who are willing to come in. Do you think that race has impacted any of that for you? I, yeah. I mean, I think I would be not being honest with myself and with your listeners. If I said, no, I, I think, of course, I think every day as a white woman, I have privileges that come out because of that. Um, can I say specific examples no, I really can't think of like specific examples off the top of my head, but I know by knowing what the perception of people is that, that yes, I'm sure that my color has allowed us to connect with people that maybe it wouldn't have if I weren't a white woman. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to go back to something though, Heather, thank you for answering mm-hmm. that. You said that your board isn't diverse. Why do you think that's the case? Like, you know, it's it's something that um, we struggle with and that honestly, all of the other nonprofits in our community, I shouldn't say all, but I've had this conversation with many, many of the other nonprofits in our community who are struggling with the same thing. And I, I don't really know the simple answer to that. What I know is that we need to try harder and we need to reach farther and we need to make sure that we, there, there's no excuses for it. I don't want to make up excuses for it because there aren't. Um, and it's something that we, that I need to, the next time I talk to you, I need to be able to tell you, this is the work that we've done to change that statistic. Because again, we've been able to do this with our staff very, very well. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always something that we're, um, we're looking towards. We want our staff to look like our clients and, um, and we've done a really good job of that. I'm, you know, proud of that work. So the board is is something we're working on. 
Mm-hmm. What are some of, uh, and I'm going to hold you to that, Heather, maybe mm-hmm. not the next time we talk, because we might be talking, you know, soon, who knows, but, yeah. but I will hold you to that to say, how are you all doing um, with that? Um, you know, in this journey, though, what are some of the, what's been some of the, the, the mistakes you've made or some of your, your learnings even through this process as a white woman who is in the uh, throes of advocating for racial equity, economic equity, you know, all of these things, what would have been some learnings or, and some mistakes. Those are sort of two different questions, but perhaps we can get to one before the break. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that I've learned and I've tried to, to always remember, but it's something I definitely wasn't as good at as I am now is not making decisions for other people and not assuming that I know what somebody else needs but actually involving um, involving people that we help in the conversations of what what do you need and how how can we do better and um, you know some of the like we have a food pantry it's it's the largest food pantry in Newport County I know a lot of listeners probably think Newport Rhode Island that's yachts and mansions and what does she mean there's a it's the largest food pantry um, one of the largest in the state of Rhode Island in fact and. Some of the things that we have in place at our food pantry, we're looking at now because right now we pair up a volunteer um, with a client when they shop. And, you know, I think about that. I'm like, when I go to Shaw's, I don't have someone pulling my grocery cart around with me, telling me what I can take and what I can't take. So those are the conversations that we're having right now as a staff of why are we doing that? Why did we start doing that? And if, if there's a reason why we started doing that, which there were reasons do we need to still do that? Um, one of the things that's happening here right now, and which is why I'm in a closet right now, if you can't tell, um, is we are, as you said, um, going through a large construction uh, expansion of our building and our food pantry is double, our new food pantry is going to be about double the size. Well, the reason why we started that matching up a volunteer to a shopper was because our food pantry was so small, we needed to keep things moving so mm-hmm. we didn't have lines of people waiting outside. Well, when we open up our new food pantry, if there are not lines of people waiting outside, there is no reason why we need to have people shopping with other people because that's othering. Mm-hmm. And um we're we don't wanna we don't wanna do that. So that's a mistake that we're making right now, um, is is making people feel that way when they shop. And it's it is something that we're having lots of conversations about. And again, I hope to be able to say to you that we really looked at that and we changed the way we do that to make people um, feel respected and valued and equitable. So so the other thing I hear you doing through your process is there's a continued uh, uh, mindset of assessing where you are now and how do we make things better. And I think that's the mark of a good leader. Mm -hmm. We have to take a break. And uh, when we come back, uh, Heather, I'd love for you to really talk a little bit about your programs. You know, some of them you got over 25, so you can't talk about all of them. But I'd love to hear about who you serve, since you mentioned being in Newport and people think about how wealthy, you know, Newport is, uh, who you serve and what are some of the programs you offer. So in the meantime, for those of you who are listening, please go to Facebook or YouTube and just send your questions or comments in. We would love to to hear from you. And if you're watching it after the show airs, send your comments in to us anyway, because we'd love to know what you think. We'll be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us.
Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Heather Strout, who is the executive director of uh, the MLK Center in Newport. And Heather, before the break, um, you know, we were talking about who you serve, you know, that people might be surprised at who you serve. Can you um, just tell us a little bit about the population you deserve, you serve the demographics and um and then maybe share with us some of the programs as well that you offer. Sure, I'd love to. So just so everyone knows, the reason why you might hear some noise in the background is um, I am working in the middle of programs right now. And on the other side of the door right there, we are serving lunch um, to about usually about 150 people in our community. So you can hear probably voices and I apologize for that. But I also think it's really important for me to always be here in the space um, because things things come up that I'm needed for. Um, So we serve um, all of Newport County, which is um, seven communities here in Rhode Island. And um, we served last year um, a little over 6,000 people. Some of those people come to the center for for help every day. Some people might come here every month and some people might come here only a few times a year. We are definitely seeing an increase in need, especially in our hunger relief programming, which is one of the three um, main headings of programs that we do. Um, we serve a lot of different people in our community and our, our actually our, our clients very much reflect our staff, as I said earlier. Um, 40% of the people that we serve are, are, are white and about 13% identify as black and 13% identify as biracial. So, um, and then we have a very large growing population of Hispanic people in our community that is growing year over year, we've seen a big change in our community um, over the past 10 years. And um, so, you know, having Spanish speaking staff and making sure that we are, again, making everybody feel welcome and respected is is part of that. Um, As far as what our programs do, we have three main components. We have our hunger relief programming, which brings um, food equity out to our community. We have programs here on site. We have programs that we bring out to all different neighborhoods, especially neighborhoods in Newport County where transportation is a barrier. We really focus on fresh, healthy food. We know that people who are poor um, deserve to eat the same food as people who are not. So um, fresh produce is something that is offered here every day. And we, we have we, we give out so much pre- fresh produce and we know that that's what people want. And we, we make sure that we always have a large variety of, of things like that. Um, we also have a mobile food pantry that goes out into neighborhoods and sets up food pantries throughout our community. We have food delivery to homebound seniors and disabled people. Um, we have produce to the people, a program that sets up produce, what, what you can imagine as a, a small farmer's market in neighborhoods throughout Newport County. And all of what I'm talking about is at no cost to mm. the individuals who, who need help. Then we also- Just excuse me, just for one second then. For, sure. So for your food pantry, um, is there a minimum uh, income, a maximum income that you must have? No, that's, that's a really good question. And I think that's something that maybe we can all learn from that. Um, there is not. When when someone comes for the first time, we do an intake on them, similar to what you would do if you went to a doctor's office for the first time, except for a lot less questions. And we try to make it as easy and equitable as possible by, you know, helping people, doing it for them if they need it, um, whatever, whatever needs to happen to make that an easy 
and respectful process for them. But we need that for grant reporting and the questions that we get asked on grants, which is, you know, about a quarter or more of our total budget is grants. So we have to have the answers to the questions on grants, Mm -hmm. which is something I push back on all the time to our grant funders. Why do you need to know this? Why do you need to know that? You know, I try to try to eliminate those questions when I can. Um, But we do ask how much someone's income is because that, again, is something that's reported. But if somebody came through the doors today and they said that their income last year was $500,000, we would not turn them away because everybody has circumstances. Mm -hmm. And just because somebody is wealthy doesn't mean that tomorrow their life circumstances could change in a minute and they could be in a totally different place. And we have seen that happen. And that person stepping through the doors is a very difficult thing for them. And we know that no one, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I'm so happy that I'm in a situation that I have to go to a food pantry. You know, that's not, that's the reality that we want everyone to feel welcome. We don't, we don't, we don't want to know what your circumstances are unless you want to tell us so that we can help you. But um, we want to help anybody who needs help. And I have had some donors um, and volunteers ask those questions, you know, when someone pulls up in a, in a nice car and they'll say, how does that person have that car? And they, and they question that. And I, this is the work I've done is I push right back at somebody that says something like that, because how do you know if that's their car? How do you know why they have that car? And why does that matter? Mm Because today they need food and that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, making people look at things differently um, is, is part of this work. It's a big part of this work. And um, that's something it doesn't matter how much somebody makes, how much or how little. Um, we just want to help them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thank you for you know saying all of that because there might be listeners out here who want to refer people mm-hmm. to pantries, um, or they may need to go to a pantry themselves because, like you say, you know it only takes a second for your life to really change, right? Um, and not everybody can put away hundreds of thousands of dollars in. Uh, in a bank account so that if something happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I want to hear a little bit about your donors in, in just a moment. But before we go there, you were you were telling me about all these great programs. And so I want to make sure that we get a few more of those listed sure. so when people are listening. Yeah, so, that, so hunger relief programming is a big part of what we do. We also have education programs for young children, um, which include a preschool an after-school program, and an amazing summer camp um, that brings, you know, these also are about equity. We want the children who come to our programs to have the same experiences as their peers, whose maybe their parents aren't working and can take them to after-school sports and ballet and music lessons. And so we provide those things to our families who are all working parents. Mm. And the third thing that we do are community programs and our community programs are vast. They're everything from free exercise classes to free concerts to um, support groups for LGBTQIA plus teens to um, we, we let our space be used by a lot of different other nonprofits who offer things that maybe we don't offer. So we really believe in partnering with others because why do something when somebody's doing it better, bring them in and let's do this together. Um, so our community programs are, you know, a big part of what we do, cooking classes. Um, and again, these are these are things that are at no cost to people in our community. And we do see people coming to our exercise classes, to our cooking classes, to our concerts, who don't, who could pay for these things. Um, and some of those people donate, but it's about people being together and not looking at, you know, who they are and, and how much they make, but just people being people. It's about community. It's, it's, and it's really about beloved community, as Dr. Yeah. King would say, yes. right? And and I think that in order for us to understand each other racially, culturally, uh, economically, we have to be able to be in relationship with people who differ from us. Yeah. So, um, you know, with your volunteers, where do they mostly... Where do you mostly get them from? Are you finding that people from all socioeconomic status uh, statuses will come and volunteer or? Yes, we are. And actually, we're seeing a lot more lately of our clients wanting to also volunteer, which we love. Um, our breakfast program, which is um, every day from 730 to 9, we have about 75 people in our community who come for breakfast. And a lot of the people who come to breakfast 
have now started volunteering, helping with the program, but also helping in other programs. Because again, it's that feeling and that sense of community. There, you know, there are people that have a difficult time holding a job mm. for a variety of reasons. It might be m- mental health issues, um, but doing doing a job for an organization and a community that you care about mm. can lift somebody up to a place that that makes them feel valued. And um, so we have, you know, we could do better. You know, our volunteers. I'm not going to sit here and say that many of our volunteers aren't wealthy people that are looking to feel good, right? Mm-hmm. But but again, it's it's really about training volunteers and having conversations with volunteers to make sure that they are representing the MLK Center the way Dr. King would want the MLK Center to be represented. So I want to just say, just even from a, a, a teaching perspective for me, Maybe people do show up initially because they want to feel good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes until people can be involved in something and have a changed mindset, they have to do it for the reasons they've come in. But what I always say to people is know your why. Yeah. Be, true, be true with yourself about your why. In my in my book, I talk about your about the sacred motive, because if your why is just to feel good, when things get really, really hard, you're going to stop doing this work. And I can see, look, if you've been doing this work since 2015 and you were in the height of what was going on in 2020, not just with COVID, but with um, George Floyd being murdered and you're still continuing, that's the sign of a person who's committed. Some people, especially when George Floyd was murdered, they were just throwing money, but they didn't really understand what they were throwing money at. It was like, I want to feel good or I want to help, you know, I I, I have this money and I want to contribute, right? But I don't understand why I'm making the the contribution. I know that uh, we have to take a break in a minute. Uh, And so I'm going to prime you for the question already. I want to talk about what have been some of the difficult decisions that you've had to make as, um, really just as an executive director, but, you know, we can add race on top of that as well. There's sacrifices that we have to make when we do this work. And so when we come back from the break, if you could give us an example of of what are some of the difficult decisions you've had to make in order to make sure that you are moving forward with with the work of racial equity and uh, economic equity and and the like. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with the Dismantle Racism Show right after this. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc, Fridays at noon Eastern, and intangify your business today. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
We're back with Heather Strout, who is the executive director of the MLK Center in Newport. And Heather, right before the break, I asked you to to kind of think about some of the difficult decisions you've had to make as uh, as the director, but particularly as it relates to issues of equity. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's one that really sticks out in my mind, and it's actually a pretty difficult thing for me to talk about because it was it was a real eye-opening experience for me. But um, after the death of George Floyd, I, I put out um, a message to our community on, ba- on behalf of the center. And in that message, I did talk about being a white woman leading this organization and, and knowing that that to some people was probably something that they questioned. But I, I also talked about how our center was here for the community. And, you know, it was a, it was a pretty emotional talk that I did. And after that, I had uh, one of our donors reach out to me that wanted to meet with me. And this was a a longtime donor, somebody who had supported the center for many years at a very high level. And um, when I met with that person, um, I was really shocked at the conversation that was had. Um, And that, that person wanted me to take back my remarks and said some very derogatory things about, um, about black people and about the reason, you know, and I, these are, this is not me speaking. This is, this is the words of that person about why if people, if black people worked harder, then they wouldn't be in the position that they're in today and, and things along those lines. And I, I sat there and I, I honestly, I, I was fighting back the tears to think that somebody who supported our organization so strongly for so long felt that way. And I, that day had to, you know, stop the relationship with that person because they wanted me to take back those words. And I said, absolutely not. I stand by everything I said, and I stand by um, it, the mission of the center. If that's not something you're aligned with, then that's, we're not an organization that you should support. And that's mm-hmm. a very difficult decision to make because I knew that you know, dollars are what make food come into our food pantry and and staff all of our different programs. But I also knew I wasn't being my true self and I wasn't being responsible to the center by allowing somebody to tell me that I shouldn't be standing up for the rights and the equity of all people. And so we've never seen a donation from that person ever since. And nor do we want that if that's how they feel. I did, you know, try to have conversations about why those things weren't that were being said weren't okay. And I, I had hoped that maybe that person left that day and at least thought about the things that they said and hopefully has done some work since to understand why that was just wrong. Um, but did I don't, you get push I don't back? Really know that. Did you get pushback from your board? Because, you know, when money, when money leaves. Yeah. No, I was so proud because I did tell my board that story because I thought, you know, they may end up hearing it from from that person. And my board, every single one of them were so proud and stood by me 100%. And honestly, as they say, when you do the right thing, it comes back and, and you somehow get rewarded. You know, there are people who support our center now that didn't support our center before then that now see that we are true to our word and that we're doing the work and we're not perfect. And every day is a growing day and every day is a new day. But when we see something that's not right, we try to make it better. And we try to learn. And that's the whole reason of like, you know, when you're committed, there are other people out here who are going to help you. And that's what I was speaking of, even with just the faith that you can do this work and that other people are supporting you. But so what do you do, though, to uh, encourage yourself to stay committed in this role? Uh, because whether you're at MLK or not, you 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 seem like the type of person who's committed to doing this work long term. So you yeah. could be, I, I don't know, uh, working somewhere else and choose to look at through the lens of equity. So what do you do to encourage yourself to to uplift yourself on the days when it's like, oh, this is so overwhelming? I mean, I don't I don't know. I think for me, it just comes it comes pretty easily because I I just see and hear stories of such hurt. And I can't imagine. Well, we've all been in places where we've been hurt by others intentionally or unintentionally. And to think that 
I can make a difference in at least helping someone not feel that hurt mm. and making, making that better in lives of people that I don't even know. And um, I, I don't know. I just think that that comes pretty easily. I don't think there's a day that I wake up that I think I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to try to be the best I can be today to everybody I encounter. Um, well, so. so I get that. I, I get that Heather. Um, but you haven't always been in this place. And so all of us uh, who are engaged in this work, we have to have. So for instance, I don't wake up saying I'm not going to do dismantling racism anymore because mm-hmm. it's just part of who I am. Like you're saying, I have had my moments though of where I've thought that my call was something else that I thought it shifted. Right. So, you know, as a pastor, I see a lot of wounds of religion. So I thought my call had shifted to that. And then, of course, because I'm also passionate about this, there's been uh, a focus on that in recent years. But I do find that in doing these this work for moments when things are difficult, when they're overwhelming, and I know my situation is a little different than yours, that is great to have a support team. It's great for me to have a grounding in something bigger than I am. It's, it's great for me to go back and to look at the work of the people who've come before me. And even when I train, I always um, uh, invite white people to go back and look at the white people in history who were doing this work as motivators, right? And so that's what I mean. I'm just wondering if you have uh, something that, that guides you and grounds you and supports you uh, in this yeah. work. I mean, I, I guess I think what grounds me and supports me are, are the people that I see every day who need and deserve for me to be doing this work. Um, I think that that's really what grounds me. I mean, I, I, I do reading and I, I like, I, I try to attend any opportunity to learn more. Um, I was recently invited to, be part of a DEI training at a local municipality. Um, and that was, that was hard. I, at points I sat there biting my tongue and then I realized, why am I biting my tongue? I'm not going to bite my tongue. I'm going to say how I feel. It doesn't matter who's in this room. Um, I need to speak. And I think that's what I try to do. I just try to be my honest self. And I talk about my growing up and the, the things in my house that were not okay that were taught to me that now I have to dismantle in my, my life and make sure my children um, don't think those things are okay. So, but I think it's also not trying to be um, someone who thinks that I know it all. Cause I definitely don't. And being able to say my faults to my staff, to my donors, to you, you know, and if there are things that I know I've done wrong or do wrong, I just have to own them yeah. and grow. I so appreciate that. Now, before we have to go, because I know our time is going to be running out here. If someone wants to donate to the MLK Center, how can they do that? Well, that would be amazing. Um, We are actually an organization that is um, not publicly funded. We get, well, I shouldn't say that. We get less less than 3% of our funding comes from any kind of municipal or federal or state support. So it's really our individual donors that make this happen. Um, Our website is mlkccenter.org. So there are two C's in there. And we have a donate button right there on our website. Um, People can reach out to me. Um, My my email address is hstrout at mlkccenter.org. If anybody is ever in Newport and wants to come by and see the center, I'm always so proud to to show people what we do and to tell people how they can get involved because there are ways to get involved. Mm-hmm. So no donation is too small. So please go no. to LKC Center. Make sure you do the C in there, uh, .org and make your donations. Heather, what final words? Anything that I didn't cover with you today that that you feel like is really important for you to share with our audience? I mean, I guess I just encourage everybody that's listening to try to just do better every day. And, and by listening to this, to this radio show, that's what you're doing. Um, and, and to know that, that we all are going to make mistakes and hopefully we're all growing from them. And I, I, I try to do that. And I hope everybody else out there is trying to do the same thing. And I also think 
if there's ever a time that somebody sees me making a mistake, I want them to tell me because I think sometimes we do things and we don't even realize that we're doing. So um, that's I tell my staff that all the time. Yeah, I will say amen to that because when we're in this human body, you know, you you just don't ever know. My my kids are really good with keeping me, you know, um, (laughs) on, on track because the other thing is you mentioned how we learn things from, mm-hmm. you know, there are things that we've learned even in that's internalized racism. Yes. And, but these young people, you know, they have a whole different language than we did. And they're like, uh, 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 no, can't say that. But um, thank you so much, Heather, for being on the show. Thank you for the work that you and your staff and your board are doing in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, I appreciate so much the work of the beloved community uh, at MLK Center in uh, Newport. So thank you for being here. I want to thank you to my listeners for always, always listening. And please don't forget to subscribe to the show and tell others about it. I want you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz. Sam helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share hope, love, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mara Bronfu, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.